Welcome to the Good Mother, Bad Woman podcast, where we know how to be good mothers, but we might be bad women for different reasons. I'm your host, Stacia Caprice, a happy single mom of three girls. My youngest daughter has special needs. My blended family includes three daughters from three different dads, one divorced girl, nine living grandparents under my belt, two girlfriends, and one bonus mama who's married to one of the dads helping me raise my daughter. The Lord bless me with a part-time nanny, and all 20 of us get along just fine. To those of us who are mothers, I think we love our kids just fine, but even though our kids are a big part of our lives, they're still only part of it, right? And that part of us that existed before and after kids, that woman inside is demanding to be heard without being labeled depressed or postpartum or a bad woman just because she did not disappear with her mommy job title. I'm not a doctor, coach, or psychologist. I'm just somebody living this life, girl, without the owner's manual, just like you. And today we want to get into our feelings and talk about maybe the reason some of us can't find our Prince Charming is because Prince Charming is fighting for his life, girl. Girl, do you ever stop for a minute and think about how did you learn about love, right, and what it means? Like, when you consider what a good romantic relationship is or is not, what is that invisible standard that you're comparing your real-life experience against, right? Like, the first steps to becoming a girl, a philosopher, or thinking like a philosopher, even just developing your critical thinking, right, is to start questioning your assumptions, right? What are your unconscious bias, right? Which is kind of fun to do, don't get me wrong. I think, girl, when we were teenagers, um, we used to say, you know what happens when you assume stuff, you make an ass out of you and me. Okay, a little play on the words. <laughs> but, girl, now that we're grownups, you know, we have all of these podcasts and self-help books. Um, Brene Brown, in particular, comes to mind, um, and she talks about, you know, assumptions and disappointments and expectations. And I think she was the one who said uh, the definition of disappointment are simply unmet expectations, right? Which is interesting because, you know, when it comes to love or friendship or even our parent-child relationships, we do kind of have this expectation or this internal standard for what we think is right or how we should be treated or who we think we are, but we don't always express that standard or our expectations, right? Girl, I had a childhood friend, a best friend who I fell out with after like 20 years of friendship, right? It really got to me, but we fell out. And to me, um, one of those things where my life had changed so drastically and so quickly and she was having a hard time adjusting. I had gotten married and divorced and had a baby and was a single mom and my life was just uh, so much different from hers, right? I know I'm not the only one who had that happen. But anyway, we got into it over different reasons. And I remember like, even as I was trying to apologize to her, and she was kind of going through this weird, you know, response where she was like, well, I know you apologize, but you should have done it sooner. And then you should have said it like this. And you should have said specifically that. And girl, she was telling me like, some super incredibly detailed paragraph of how I should have responded to her instead, right? And it was almost ludicrous. And I was like, totally caught off guard. And I got mad at her back. And I was like, you know what? Why don't you just send me the script so I can rehearse it before I talk to you and I get back to you, right? Like, listen, who do you think I am? But even though I was mad at her for doing that to me, I kind of thought about it later. Um, I mean, I think it's weird in a, you know, female to female friendship. But the truth is, girl, I definitely become a screenwriter when it comes to me in these relationships, honey. Listen, I will put a man through it. I definitely have that expectation for men in terms of how they're supposed to respond to me. Uh, how quickly they're supposed to respond to me or progress our relationship, right? If you really love me, you would do X, Y, and Z, right? I have these girl expectations about what should happen next and when. 
And of course, of course, I never say any of this to him, right? Because he's supposed to know too, right? If he felt that way, he would just know. But, uh, you know, disappointments and unmet expectations is pretty much the story of my life when it comes to me, right? Girl, be getting all of my feelings when he doesn't respond as if it was a direct rejection to my internal orders. Crazy stuff. I know it after the fact. I just can't pull it together in the middle of it. So I, too, as I mature, have to figure out and question, you know, what are my assumptions and my unconscious biases when it comes to, you know, romantic relationships and try to understand where some of that stuff comes from. Um, girl, listen, do you remember that uh, Anita Baker songs, uh, Fairy Tales? Girl, that was one of my favorite divorce songs I used to play over <laughs> over and over again. Wait, let me see. What do the verse say? It say... It says, she told me fairy tales before I went to bed. She spoke of happy endings, then tucked me in real tight. Y'all know the song, right? She said, she turns my nightlight on and kiss my face goodnight. My mind was filled with visions of perfect paradise. She told me everything. She said he'd be so nice. He'd ride up on his horse and take me away one night. Quit playing with me. She said, I'd be so happy with him. We'd ride clean out of sight. But look, then the song changed, right? She never said that we would curse cry and scream and lie she never said that maybe someday he'll say goodbye and y'all know the song right this is your real life shoot to be honest this is how a lot of us most of us have been introduced or indoctrinated into this fairy tale understanding of what love is right and as we get older, you know, teenager, 20s and above, that fairy tale of Prince Charming infantilizes us as adult women and our expectations for love. Right. And infantilize means to treat her like a child until she believes these childlike stories about love. Right. And then we get disappointed when those expectations are not met. So, you know, we sit up here waiting for our Prince Charming to come in as a ready soldier, ready to rescue us from our singleness and girl, perhaps all financial responsibility and protect us from hurt, harm and danger, whatever that means from the neighboring village. <laughs> and we expect that Prince Charming has been told this exact same story and that he understands the assignment, honey. But we all can get together and tell a different story, can't we? So I'd like to quickly remind you of the story of Sleeping Beauty and let's go ahead and fast forward to the part where she was raised as a peasant girl by her fairy godmothers and just before she was about to be betrothed to Prince Charming, he accidentally meets her as a peasant girl not realizing who she is, but he doesn't care. He's in love and he's going to tell his dad that I was marrying a peasant girl, right? So of course, Maleficent the Witch uh, captures Sleeping Beauty, puts her in a deep sleep and she also kidnaps Prince Charming, but she puts him in a jail cell on the other side of the forest, right? With handcuffs and all. She could have killed him, but she just wants to hold him hostage so that he can suffer and she's like oh by the way i got your little dream girl too right <laughs> she says something like by the time y'all get out of here you'll be 100 years old and you'll be miserable so so the first thing he has to do is figure out how to get out of his cell so that he can get to his girl right well of course he gets out of the cell i think with the help of the fairies and then the horse shows up and then boom surprise maleficent is not just a witch she turns into a whole ass dragon and now he has a new problem amen <laughs> meanwhile sleeping beauty is all of us women laying somewhere sleeping in a damn castle waiting for prince charming to rescue us not knowing that prince charming is literally fighting for his life and it turns out that fighting for one's life is a complete problem in and of itself, right? See, a lot of us are married to men, dating men, or waiting on men who are actively fighting internal dragons that they have to defeat long before they can begin the journey of pursuing love or you, right? That's deep, y'all. Who knew Disney could be deep? Right? And if you go back to the story, fighting the dragon was not the beginning of his battle. He had to first choose to get out of the cell or out of the bondage that he was placed into first, right? 
Prince Charming had to decide first that he was not going to succumb to a life of isolation, internal exile, right? Because of the drugs or alcohol that he's taken or the child abuse that he endured, right? The internal exile around so many things that isolate really all of us, right? Not just men. He had to choose to break out of the handcuffs that was his bondage, right? And then he had to choose to break out of the actual cell, the porn addiction, the sex addiction, you know what I mean? Long before the prince can decide that he wants to claim his prize of love that's waiting for him in some castle, should he choose to pursue the mission, right? But here's the thing that we know now about bondage and trauma and bad habits is that they don't die easily, right? I think now they teach us that if in order for a habit to die, you literally have to replace it with something else. You can't leave any vacancies, okay? But our bad habits don't die easily. I struggle with sobriety myself. Our addictions fight us constantly to remain where we are. And once you press and decide to break out of bondage, now here comes this dragon saying, oh, you trying to leave? I'm literally going to set you on fire and kill you. Right? Because that demon was happy to let you live in the quiet solitude of your addiction and your bondage, whatever it was. But now that you're trying to get free, it's about to go crazy and you're going to feel literally like you're about to die, right? And the thing about it is, according to the fairy tale, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that the dragon, you know, in the movie was deep in the forest fighting Prince Charming and was not concerned at all about being physically located at the castle to guard Sleeping Beauty, right? Like, why was that? And it's because Sleeping Beauty was not the threat, right? The prince was the threat. The prince, in his sobriety, his healthy masculinity, his passion to pursue love or justice or wholeness, is a threat to a lot of bondage. Amen? Because the freedom of that type of masculine energy is not just freedom for him. The whole town was asleep, remember? Under the spell of the witch. Until one man broke out of his bondage, defeated his own dragons, and with the kiss of true love, he set everybody free, okay? Everybody woke up. Girl, a healed man is a powerful man. A healed man is a powerful thing. And I'm not just talking about your man or my man. We're talking about a community, right, of masculinity and the impact that it has on everybody, right? You have to wonder why there's such an agenda against that type of energy. Yeah, so let's fast forward to 2024 where, you know, we are grateful that men of all races are finally progressed enough, relaxed enough, industrialized enough to where they can start to consider their feelings and their mental health and even start naming their mental illness. Amen. Girl, we appreciate that awakening, but still the messaging is a little heavy on, you know, women should be more responsible for helping men out of their bondage, right? You know, men are starting to have a greater understanding of how women, you know, play a part in impacting their mental health, um, primarily starting with their mothers, which we can absolutely talk more about that. Um, there is a such thing as a patriarchal mother. And, you know, I think the original feminist movement really overlooked abusive mothers almost completely. But uh, we will not do that this generation. But there's still a lot of buzzwords or triggering gender topics surrounding women being able to provide, you know, vulnerable spaces for men to feel safe enough to confess how they're really feeling. And listen, that's perfectly fine for a woman to provide emotional space to a man. And a lot of us do it very naturally. Right. But we're still never responsible for a person's healing. Amen. Healing is still and always will be uh, personal. And that is not gender specific. And so, you know, it's like, what if you provide a cozy living room with all white furniture and soft pillows what good is that space if you allow a hyper ass puppy who's covered in mud to come into it right i mean the puppy's just gonna rub off his mud all over the couch and the carpet he might walk out of that room feeling a little bit cleaner but he's still just as hyper and now the room the vulnerable space is just as dirty as the dog and because of him amen 
Girl, what is the point of the china shop if you're just going to let the bull into it? Amen. <laughs> Listen, that being said, I mean, even if Sleeping Beauty was awake and calling to her prince to come here to help me, here I am, you know, trying to give him clues, the prince would not be able to hear her, right? Why? Because a woman cannot reach a man who is actively engaged in a battle of his life, right? All right? A woman is no help to a man who is in an active physical battle or mental battle for his life. The decision to get out of his personal prison is his, right? She can't talk to him and he can't hear her, right? That motivation has to come from within. So we can drag this fairy tale thing out to say, you know, that possibly the dragon realizes the power of the man and the power of healthy masculinity, right? The prince is royalty. The prince has power. The prince comes with title. And without her muscle or her prince to protect her, the women and children will forever be vulnerable to the dragons of this world. And from this fairy tale, I, I want to point out that the dragon was not the man himself, okay? You know, people say today that the greatest threat to a woman is a man. And while that's true, the dragons are not men, right? Um, but perhaps evil is able to be executed through them, okay? If you're a Christian, you know that Bible verse that says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is people, but instead we're wrestling against evil in high places, principalities right down here on earth. So if you know the Bible, um, you know that God never created the devil or the demon, right? They created themselves. <laughs> God created angels, okay? There was this angel named Lucifer who was like, dang, I'm feeling myself. I'm about to convince all these angels, let's take over heaven because I can be God, right? So they went to go wage war with God. God. God was like, pew, pew. Aaron kicked him out of heaven. No problem. Honey, the textbook definition for a demon is a fallen angel, right? The angels fell from heaven, but where did they fall to, right? They fell to the world. They did not fall to hell. The devil that we believe in in our religion is that nobody is in hell, that all these spirits are down here with us. That's why the Bible says, woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. Caution to the people of the earth because you are down here with some crazy spirits in high places. Okay, that's your Sunday school lesson for today. But I love sharing this story because, you know, side note, you know, people in churches sometimes make the Bible seem like it's all about hell and sin. But really, the Bible is a love story in and of itself. Amen. God knows that we down here with evil that we can't fight or see by ourselves. Right. That's why the fairies had to come and help them. I'm not going to preach this thing with me. <laughs> the fairies had to come in and help the prince. Right. Give him a little supernatural help. But that's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to come and help us. And we praise God for it. Amen. But the dragons in the world still have the gift of immortality. So they know human beings and human nature a lot better than we do, right? This is how these ancient concepts like racism survive year after year. Or, you know, the tactic of separating men from the women and children has been a strategy of war for like thousands of years, right? You know, in 2024, we don't live in villages. We live in cities. You know, like our men don't have to wage war or learn how to ride horses, build swords. So a lot of our battles are more, you know, cerebral, intellectual, or emotional, right? But let's talk about what else happens to a man that causes them to be in the fight of their life, not just with the sex, drugs, and alcohol that they use to cope, but what happened kind of early onset, maybe in childhood, right? When did the abuse of our boys begin, right? And girl, I don't know about you, but I find it very interesting that there are so many men uh, whose first sexual encounter happened at this ridiculously young age, 11, 12, 13, from a woman who was like 19, 24, 25, right? I mean, it's not all men, but so many men that I know, so many men, you know, that I know as friends, as family men who I have dated, have started sharing these stories with me. 
how they were basically statutory raped by some adult women and some men. And we just don't talk about that nearly as frequently as we should, right? So a lot of our daughters who are like, you know, 16 and 17, and they're sitting here fantasizing about Prince Charming and Sleeping Beauty and prom and how romantic everything is going to be. By the time she gets to somebody's 16-year-old son, he's been having this porno-style sex with his mom's adult friends for the past three years. That's crazy to me, right? I saw this video on social media, um, awful video. It was this cute little boy. He had to be girl, like 18 months, two years old. And there was this grown woman twerking, like bent over with her big old butt in his face while all the other women were in the background. They're like laughing. They're like, yeah, look at him. He likes it, girl. Yeah, he likes it. It's obviously a woman videotaping it. I'm like, what? You know, there was a man in the comment who said, you know, just say that your female friends are pedophiles instead of telling us that this baby understands what's happening to him just because he's a boy, right? He's a baby. You know what I mean? Prince Charming is fighting for his life because patriarchy has been conditioning him to be a sex addict with female or male pedophiles since he was a child. But because we ignore this about our boys or mislabel the abuse as a trophy of masculinity, like, look at you, you pulled this woman who was 25 instead of saying that's nasty as hell like what is wrong with you somebody needs to get arrested right the same type of thing that we would do for our daughters right we talk all the time about how people hypersexualize our young girls with too much makeup and pageants and all these commercial ads and how we can dress them we do the same thing to our boys by assuming that they're only children except when it comes to his sexuality then suddenly he's more of a man in that respect It's our way of denying him the time to grow, to be covered, to be protected from the world, just like we would protect our young girls. Then we have women of all ages just wait for him to play this role of rescue me. When he's too deep in the woods to even get there, he need rescue his damn self. (laughs) I want to close by talking about uh, the passion of a man, right? And the power of awakening that passion, not necessarily in the romantic sense, although passion is tied to our, you know, system of erotica, which is bigger than our sex drive and more greatly tied to like, you know, our overall creative drive. There's this organization called the Crisis to Courage for Men, where therapists describe how passion in a man, specifically a man, develops his courage. It gives him the drive to power through a thing in order to pursue another thing. They talk about how passion fosters purpose, increases self-esteem, and bolsters the energy to resolve problems as they approach and as he moves towards harder goals. Because if you go back to the Sleeping Beauty story, I mean, breaking out of bondage and defeating the dragon are incredible milestones in and of themselves. He could have decided that that was enough. I'm going to head home for the day. But taking that extra step of pursuing sleeping beauty was motivated by a different type of passion that he now has access to as part of his newfound freedom. Amen. Author Bell Hooks talks about how, um, you know, individual men who have found their way back to this kind of restored sense of the erotic or arrows, right? Version of love arrows as opposed to philia, which is friendship and agape or agape, which is just kind of like spiritual love in general. Um, the arrows version of love as a life force. These men need to share, you know, this bliss, she calls it with men in general, right? On the Good Mother, Bad Woman channel, you know, we're big advocates for men restoring all male communities for girl male rights the passages and the creating the type of generational circles of wisdom that a lot of us women still have you know today man in the book uh bell hooks says and i'm quoting she says we yearn for boys and men to find their way to self-love we yearn for boys and men to move from self-love to the healing fellowship with one another right no man who reclaims passion for his life fears the passion in another man 
She says, patriarchy has taught us to repress and tame erratic passion precisely because of its power to draw us, integrate us into deeper communion with ourselves and with those who are uh, and with those we know most intimately, even with the stranger. So again, if art reflects life, the story of Sleeping Beauty in the end demonstrates that the love that he found, the kiss of true love, did not just wake up Sleeping Beauty. It woke up an entire town. It brought a whole community back into communion with each other, right? Praise God. That's good. Author Frank Browning writes about men and he describes the erotic as this. He says, I mean, all the powerful attractions we might have for mentoring and being mentored for unrealized flirtation, for intellectual tripping, for uh, spiritual ecstasy or for being held in silent grief or explosive rage at a common enemy or for the sublime love of friendship. I just love that description. Right. And I think patriarchy tries to manipulate only one of those things. Right. The explosive rage for a common enemy. Right. They know how powerful uh, a man's passion can be. Right. So men have quite the journey ahead. And honey, we are rooting for y'all. I just want y'all to know if you are listening, you got a group of us who are on your side to get to that place of healing, honey. But in the meantime, sis, I don't want you to ever internalize someone else's dragons, right? I don't want you to internalize someone else's dragons as something that you can sex away, girl, pray away, cook away, or even love away. Amen. Continue to love yourself, mama. And in the meantime, let your own light shine before men so that they can see not only the God in you, but the goddess in you, right? May your can the light be just enough for your Mr. Right to have an easier time finding where you is. Amen. Special shout out to the single moms. I hope y'all get chosen in 2024 if that's what you desire. If you already have Mr. Right, I pray the Lord keep y'all together. I'm not above you in the healing process, but I do process my shit. In the meantime, you can follow me on TikTok and Instagram and our YouTube channel is coming soon. Mm-hmm.